Welcome. This is uh, what, our second time, right, with uh, Solid Ground for this semester. Good. And uh, sorry to say I couldn't be here last week. Uh, it wasn't because I didn't want to be. But uh, anyway, um, I can't make it. Anyway, last week was one of those times. But anyway, I'm so glad to be here this time. But I heard you had an awesome time talking about building your life, your faith, your relationship with God on solid ground, right? And I think uh, James used a little bit out of uh, Matthew 7, right? And uh, so anyway, we're going to build on that uh, starting tonight and actually do a little bit of a series on the Bible. Um, you know, the Bible is an awesome book. It's a wonderful book. And it's actually the very foundation of our Christian faith. Right? I don't know where I would be without the B-I-B-L-E, right? I, I don't know where I'd be, James, without the Bible, right? That really is so much of our foundation, our solid rock on which we can build our Christian faith, right? Amen. So anyway, one thing we, uh, I think y'all got one of these uh, sheets in front of you. Uh, so we're just going to kind of walk through this. And um, so the series kind of starts with, um, why don't we read this subtitle together? I'll start with the word proofs. Proofs of the Bible being the Word of God, right? Okay, so we're going to get into some things that kind of, um, what should I say? Um, they show the authenticity of the Bible, right? How do we really know the Bible is the Word of God. Right? And so anyway, we're going to get into some of these proofs. There's actually many of them. This is not, what's here, is not all-inclusive. Uh, actually, this is a big subject. Uh, but we're just going to cover a, a few little points. Or I shouldn't say little, but a, a, few, a few of the points. But anyway, I, also, I would just uh, a little disclaimer here. Um, you know, where do we believe? Where does, where does faith come from? You know, is faith built on sight? Everybody, you're, you're shaking your head now. Right? <laughs> How many would agree with everybody? Raise your hand. Okay, exactly. Actually, that's the word, right? Faith is not built on sight. Faith is actually kind of a response. It's a reaction to hearing the truth <coughs> of God's word. Something just kind of rises up within you, right? This is what you say. This is what happened to me. Right? The first time I heard about the truth of the gospel, wow, I just thought, yeah, I want it. I want it. There's something in me that just believed. It wasn't an argument, it wasn't a debate. Uh, that I had with the person who was sharing with me, but I just heard the word of God and faith arose, right? And I think we all, if we took the time, we could probably go around this whole room and we all could share a testimony of how we just think a faith welled up within us, right? Faith is in our spirit, right? Remember from last semester, we talked about the three parts of man, man as a body, as a soul, and the innermost part is our spirit. That's where faith is. Amen. You know what's in our mind? 
doubt a lot of times kind of plagues us, kind of clouds us. So that's where we got to go back to our spirits. So anyway, but tonight, we're just going to spend a little bit of time and looking at some of these proofs. Some of these are actually very logical. Um, so I wouldn't say um, this is exactly why we believe in the Bible, but I would say there helps. It's good to know some crucial facts regarding the Bible. And uh, as someone who is a believer who has faith in this book, we should know some of its marvelous characteristics. So that's what we're going to look at uh, tonight. Is that okay? Are you all with me? Yeah. Okay, sweet. sweet. Okay. Um, okay, so first of all, um, how about just this word Bible? Bible. Does anybody even know what that word means? Anybody help me? Yeah, yeah. What's it mean? Book. In Latin, it means the book. Isn't that cool? In other words, it's the book of books. There's no other book like the Bible. It has the, the little article, the, in front of it. Right? I doubt you would say, you know, hey, my physics book, where's Chris? Chris, would you say your physics book is the physics book? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, even if you do, I'll guarantee you people will argue with you. There's a lot of physics books out there. But there's only one Bible. There's only one Bible. It's uniquely one. Right? Anyway, uh, it's unique in many ways. Uh, for one, it, it manifests God. Right? You can see God in the Bible. And you know what? You can also see yourself. You can see man. It's like a mirror. The Bible exposes the fallen condition of it's very genuine in its speaking about man, right? And then also the Bible unveils Christ. It's awesome. You see Christ, somewhat mysterious, but anyway, he's unveiled from Genesis to Revelation. You can see Christ in the Bible. All right, well, uh, this first little bullet point says the Bible is not a single work. But it's a collection of works from a wide variety of writers. Actually, there's 40 different writers. I don't like to call them authors. I like to say there's one author. It's Jehovah God, right? It's Jesus Christ. But you know what? There's many writers. There's Moses. There's Samuel, right? There's Zechariah. There's Isaiah. There's the Lord himself, right? You got one of those red-letter Bibles, right? All that red ink is, is the Lord speaking to us directly, right? You got the Apostle Paul. You got the Apostle Peter. You got Jude, right? You got John. Some of these guys, Luke was a doctor. Paul was a tent maker. He had also a very educated scribe, right? Um, Peter, who can tell me? What, who was Peter? What was it? Was his profession a fisherman? Was he a highly educated individual? No. no, right? But Paul was very educated, right? David was a shepherd, yet he wrote a lot. Almost half the Psalms are the Psalms of David. Yet also he was a king, right? You know, the Bible was very unique. And then this collection is over 1,600 years in the making, right? 
Moses began the writing, right? And then John concluded it. So 1500 BC all the way to about uh, 180, 1600 years. Okay, uh, so that's pretty unique. The entire Bible is translated, how about this, into 532 languages. You know, if it's the Word of God, Mark, wouldn't you believe that, that, by, that the Word of God should be available? Yeah. How about this? 532 languages. I didn't even know there was that many languages. <laughs> I just don't ask me, uh, 10? <laughs> but anyway, I don't know where all these people live, but uh, there's 532 different languages, and then it's been partially translated into an additional 2,883 languages. Crazy. But this is the availability of the Word of God. There is no other book like this book. Right? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think we have too much time. Uh, we'll just keep going. Okay. The most, sol the most sold book in the world. Okay. Let me read you something. This is, uh, uh, I'll just read it as it is. The Bible has been a massive influence on literature and history, especially in the Western world, where the Gutenberg Bible was the first book printed using movable type. According to the March 2007 edition of Time magazine, it says, the Bible has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any book ever written. Its influence on world history is unparalleled and shows no signs of abating. With estimated total sales of over 5 billion copies, how about that? It is widely considered to be the most influential and best-selling book of all time. Wow. <laughs> right? It sells approximately 100 million copies annually. Right? Okay. How does that rank with some other books? I mean, it might be you know, a little hard to imagine. 500 billion copies. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. This little uh, um, study that I uh, that I found, it placed this. Uh, this is a Chinese writing called "Quotations from the Works of Mao Zedong." It's in second place. You know how I many copies of that was? Eight hundred and twenty million between 1966 and 1971. If you know anything about the Chinese history, that was when Mao Zedong was a uh, basically a dictator over the communist, um, uh, what do I say, uh, over, over the Chinese people and had a, brought in communism and forced his own book. That's how he got so many copies of it out there. He forced everyone to have it. And so the guy who was his promoter died in 1971 and then sales dropped. So it wasn't something people really desired. <laughs> it came in at 800. Okay, million. Okay, how about Harry Potter, right? How many heard about Harry Potter, right? You know what he came in at? 400 million, right? 
that's uh, that's that's less than I believe that's less than ten percent of the Bible, right? The homily for the Word of God, right? It's pretty unique, right? The Quran, you might be interested in that. That that has actually it matches about the same total of now say tongues, a little booklet. There's about 800 million copies of the Quran sold out there. Again, that's about 20% of the Bible. So there's no comparison. Hallelujah right? <clears throat> for the uniqueness of the Word of God. Right? Okay. <clears throat> then we'll go on. We'll look at the indestructibility of this book. Right? Uh, why don't we read Mark 13, 31 all together? <clears throat> Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall by no means pass away. First Peter. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass has withered, and the flower has fallen off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which has been announced to you as the gospel. Okay. Well, uh, that's quite a statement, huh? Mark 13, 31. Heaven and earth will pass away. You know, if you know the Bible, it talks about the heavens will be rolled up and burned. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So don't be too concerned about all the trees and, you know, the water. God has another plan. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But you know, that this earth, this heaven, will pass away. But you know what will not pass away? The Bible you have on your desk. Wow. <laughs> so that Bible is more solid, more stable, and more indestructible than the entire earth and the entire heavens. Right? This is the indestructibility of the word of God. However, throughout history, man always hasn't agreed, and he's tried to destroy this book multiple times. Right? So I'll just give you a quick survey um, of, uh, of human history with this book. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Okay, in, a, in 100 years before Christ, Antiochus, in his empire, he burned all the scriptures he could find and decreed death to all its owners. Right? He was a great persecutor of the Jews. Yet the scriptures survive to this day. Right? In, uh, in the Roman Empire, 301 to 304, the Roman emperor burned thousands of copies of the Bible, commanded that all Bibles be destroyed, and decreed that any home with a Bible should be burned. In fact, he even built a monument over what he thought to be the last surviving Bible. He took those ashes and built a monument, and in Latin he put these words that, that said, the Christian name has been extinguished. It's a joke, right, Josh? It's a joke. The very next emperor, 
actually about 20 years later, Constantine made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. All right? He didn't succeed. How about this guy? He's the nephew of Constantine. He proclaimed that his book, entitled Refutation of the Christian Religion, would destroy the Bible forever. You ever heard of this book? <laughs> I never heard of it until I read it here. Voltaire, a great French philosopher in the 1700s, once declared, in a hundred years the Bible would be forgotten in an unknown book. Well, excuse me, sir. A hundred years later, the Bible, the Geneva Bible Society, bought your home and used it to continue to print and distribute Bibles. Lou Wallace, a little more recent, 1800s. He served as a writer, a Civil War general, a governor of the territory of New Mexico, and a U.S. ambassador to Turkey. He was a known atheist. For two years, he studied at the leading libraries in Europe, seeking information for his book. And he, his book that he believed would disprove the Bible and, quote, forever destroy Christianity. <coughs> Okay, well, Mr. Wallace, while writing the second chapter of his book, he found himself on his knees praying to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because of the indisputable evidence, he could no longer deny that the Bible was the Word of God. Wow. Later he wrote, Ben Hur. You ever heard of Ben Hur? Maybe a little further back, but anyway, this is. That's the author of that. Actually, it's a, it's a great movie. Right? It's one of the greatest English novels ever written concerning the time of Christ. Right? Okay, the Soviet government during the 50s built a majestic building in Kiev, Ukraine to house the communist headquarters for that region. Well, in 1994, um, that majestic building became the first Christian university in the former Soviet Union. Mm. All right. So uh, I like this guy's quote. This is a um, where the guy go? Theodore Giza, the 16th century Swiss theologian, wrote. And then we get this little uh, picture here. Can you help us? Yeah. Okay. He wrote. This is this Swiss theologian. The Bible is an anvil that has broken many hammers. Right? All these kings, all these rulers, all these philosophers, all these men of renown who thought they could destroy and discredit the Bible broke their hammer at the anvil of the Bible. Right? They found out what's destructible is them. And what's destructible is their philosophy. Yeah. But what stands is the word of God. Mm -hmm. right? Napoleon, this quote is on here, Napoleon said about this, the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with a power that conquers all that opposes it. Right? Not bad Napoleon. Right? <laughs> His hammer also got broken at the anvil of the Bible. Okay.
Now, in this next section, unity and prophecy, I'm going to pretty much leave to you. We're going to have little small groups, and there'll be some time. And But what is listed here are prophecies. And uh, I'll just tell you a little bit. Isaiah, which uh, prophesies of many things regarding Christ. Uh, for one, it prophesies his birth. Isaiah lived 750 years B.C. So when you do your little uh, investigation here, you might want to know some of this. Micah, that book was written uh, also 750 years B.C. Zechariah was 500 years B.C. The psalm, this is a psalm of David, Psalm 16, regarding a, a prophecy of the resurrection of Christ was 1,100 years B.C. And then, a prophecy regarding the second coming of Christ. That hasn't even happened yet. But all these others have been fulfilled. Zechariah, 500 years B.C. 500 years before his first coming, it already prophesied of his second coming. Do you believe the Bible? Is the Bible the word of God, Jacob? Awesome, right? Anyway, I'll leave those details to you and to your to your enjoyment. It's awesome the details that are in these prophecies. Okay, then I'll just conclude um, with uh, just a little word of, of personal testimony, and uh, this is actually a prophecy of itself in Isaiah 55. Um, but let me read this to you. Okay, it says, "For the heavens are higher than the earth." So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So listen to this. You've got to kind of pick up the poetry here. It's, it's too impressive. For just as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there until it waters the earth and makes it bare and sprout forth. You know, if you pick this up, you know, the water descends out of the heavens as rain and snow. It doesn't return to 700 years B.C. I doubt they knew about the water cycle. You know, rain, transpiration, evaporation. <coughs> water returns. The H2O molecules returns to the heavens. It evaporates from the sea. Well, um, but it doesn't return until it waters the earth and causes the earth to bear fruit, right? <clears throat> that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Okay, then here's the analogy. This is Jehovah speaking. So will my word be. So what is the Lord's word likened to? Water, rain, snow that comes down out of the heavens and it waters the earth and it brings forth fruit. Right? So let me finish, finish reading. Okay. Uh, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me vainly, but it will accomplish what I delight in. And it will prosper in the matter to which I have sent it. For you will go out with rejoicing, and you will be led forth in peace. 
The mountains and the hills will break forth before you with a ringing shout. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Listen to this. In the place of the thorn bush, the fir tree will come up. In place of the briar, the myrtle will come up. And it will be to Jehovah as a name and as an eternal sign that will not be cut off. Okay. So what do I mean by all this? What does Isaiah mean by all this? You know how, how productive the word of God is? It's watering the earth. And you know who the earth is? It's us. It's mankind. And can't you say that the earth, or that the word is producing something in you, James? Where the briars, that's the thorns, where the thorn bush used to grow in you, you know what's coming up now? A fir tree. Something green. No thorns. There's something of life. Something of joy. Something of peace. That's how influential this book is. It will change the earth. Don't take my word for it. Right? Take, the, take the word of God. Right? And look at your own experience. That's why I say this is like a personal testimony. Right? I say my life has changed because of the word of God. Right? It has impacted where sin abounded, where the, where the flesh reigned. Wow. Now something else is reigning. Something else, Jake, is growing. Right? Something else is flourishing. Right? Are you ever surprised by your own response sometimes? Right? Of love towards somebody. Of joy towards Right? Of peace towards somebody. Why is there such a joy? Why is there such a peace? It's because the word of God has watered the soil of our hearts. And it's, it's bringing forth something. Right? So anyway, thank the Lord for the word of God. Right? There's nothing like it. Right? It's unique. It's indestructible. And it will fulfill itself, right? God has it, 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 God has, has made his promise that it will accomplish what he pleases.